listening to the Inspired Human Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Darius. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Inspired Human Podcast. What is your anchor? Where are you tied off to? In the army, we have what's called a one rope bridge. And it's where a a group of soldiers approaches a river and they take out a long rope and they tie it off, they anchor it to a tree on the side of the river that they're on. And then they tie it around the waist, the other end around the waist of another soldier who wades across the river to the far side And when reaching that side, that soldier ties off the other end of the rope to another tree that's called the far side anchor. And now they have a single rope tied off to two anchor points on each side of the river. And then the rest of the unit can snap link themselves into that rope and use it as a guide to help them cross the river. And it's to prevent them from being swept away by the current or or taken by the rushing water. They can lean on and hold on and be secured by that rope while that rope is anchored to two trees. Now, obviously, you wouldn't have to think very long about this to realize that the quality of the anchor points determines everything about this one rope bridge. The anchor, what the rope is tied to, will always remain decisive to the integrity of the whole system. So I ask you again, what are you tied off to in life? What are you using as your anchor? In a recent episode, Nick closed with those questions and they've been burning in my mind ever since. He referred to an I am 20 exercise where you have I am at the top of a page and you you write in 20 answers to fill that sentence. And it's a trip into your identity. It gives you a visible picture of who you are, what your identity is made up of. You see, these are anchor points in your life. These things represent what you tie yourself off to in any and every situation you experience. You rely on these I am statements even more when life gets harder. In the event one fails, it painfully drops further down your priority and other anchor points or other I am statements rush in, whether they're new that you develop or old that you've used in the past. I would bet that you subconsciously ordered your statements in a general priority, maybe not exact, but close to where they rank in your life. Also, if you haven't figured it out yet, You may draw on more than one of these aspects of your identity at any given time or situation. So it's kind of at this point that that I'm forced to switch illustrations from a one-rope bridge to something else. So, So hold on. This ride is getting a little wilder. You with me? Dr. Tim Keller refers to our identities as a deck of cards. We take cards out of our deck and put them into our hand and play them in different priorities and combinations across a wide spectrum of contexts. Are you tracking with me? Good. So so let's imagine a situation and see this play out. 
Let's say I came across the temptation to steal something, like a car or, or a guitar I really wanted or you know, a, a fancy new barbell and some bumper plates that no one's watching in the gym. What cards or anchor points of my identity could I draw on to resist that urge to steal? Some of them may include that I'm an officer. I might play my officer card. Officers in the army don't steal. I could play my law-abiding citizen card. I've never broken a major law before. Why would I start now? I could even dip into my, my husband or father card. Well, if I steal this and get caught, my wife will be left alone. My kids will have a dad who's in prison. I could play these cards with the intent to prevent stealing. But let's, let's flip the script now. What if I had bad boy or thug or gangster or rebel in my deck? I could play out that card and steal whatever I was tempted to steal in order to maintain that part of my identity. You see, our identities hold that large of a place in our lives. So I'm curious, what do you do when your cards fail you? When your anchor points break or give way, where do you turn? It reminds me of a passage in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul came face to face with this reality. Listen to how this first century thinker describes himself before he met the resurrected Jesus. He says to the church in Philippi, he says, You know my pedigree, a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. What cards does Paul have in his deck? Or did he have in his deck? Yeah, he, he was a Jew to the max degree. In every way, he was a perfect Hebrew. He was a rising star in the first century Jewish world. In fact, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem commissioned him to lead an expedition up north to Damascus and start rounding up all the followers of Jesus in that town and to persecute them and, and to break their faith in that city. It was on this trip to Damascus that Paul met Jesus and his whole identity was destroyed. You see, on that trip, when he met the resurrected Lord, on the road, Paul's anchors failed him. His tie-offs broke. He played his strongest hand and he came up short, way short. Listen to how Paul goes on to describe his former identity after Jesus confronted him. This is what he goes on to say in Philippians chapter 3 to that church. He says, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. He said, I've, I've dumped it all in the trash. I gave up all that inferior stuff. What's going on here? Is Paul identityless now? What has replaced everything he once held so dear and relied on in every situation? 
Why this change? It can be summed up in three words. Because of Christ. That's what Paul says. He even asks the rhetorical question in this passage. Why would I give up all of this? Because of Christ. To embrace Christ and be embraced by him so that I could know Christ personally. That's Paul's answer. You see, you see, Jesus just doesn't take Paul's small, petty, and broken identity and leave him lost and alone. That would be cruel. Jesus is loving, not cruel. No, no. You see, Jesus comes into Paul's life displacing and replacing Paul's identity with his own. Paul would say that Jesus is the only card in his deck now. Paul has tied himself off to Jesus and believes beyond a shadow of a doubt that with Jesus as his anchor, he will never be swept away. Jesus is Paul's identity. Servant to the master is Paul's only card. But I wonder why. What does this do for Paul? See, simply Paul says he wants to be in on the resurrection from the dead that only Jesus could promise. You see, Jesus is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah who was foretold to come in order to defeat all darkness, even including death, and to restore all of creation to complete peace, to God's shalom. You see, and, and, and that shalom, that peace, that worldwide Dominion by the Messiah includes a resurrection from the dead. And for those who know Jesus personally, a resurrection forever in a renewed creation. Paul wanted the resurrection more than anything. And I would bet you do too. Imagine with me for a moment a world with no war, with no suffering or pain or sorrow, a world void of brokenness and disease, death, evil, crying, or decay. That's the resurrection. Folks, dream about the adventures you could have in an everlasting world like that. Friends, that's the resurrection. What would you do in the unfiltered presence of the Most High God forever? Well, of course, you might say, Paul, of course Paul wanted that. When I put the resurrection in those terms, who wouldn't want that? However, until that day, we know that darkness still persists. Paul, in the very same breath, as he mentions the resurrection power, he mentions joining and suffering as Jesus' partner, even unto death. You see, evil remains a very real power in our world. Wherever God gives life in Jesus through the Holy Spirit to this world, the powers of darkness seek to undo that life. This results in suffering. I, as a soldier, know that you cannot have victory without suffering. See, in order to have resurrection power, you must partner with Jesus in suffering. It's a sad reality of the world in which we live. We don't have to like the suffering. 
We should never be stoic about the condition of the world. For to partner with Jesus in suffering means to do something with the pain by the resurrection power we get from knowing Jesus personally. This is what I mean when I say play your Christ card. So I want to ask you, what do you do when suffering, tragedy, and difficulty approaches? Do you rely on inferior anchors like your own achievements? Or do you throw yourself fully on Christ and go all in with Jesus' resurrection power? I wonder, what does this look like? You see, playing your Jesus card looks like praying first. It looks like holding our tongues when the group we are in starts to gossip. Playing our Jesus card looks like speaking up in the name of Jesus whenever we see injustice, either big or small. Tying ourselves off to Christ as our anchor looks like not arguing with superiors or peers when things don't go our way and we feel slighted. It looks like having a Christian sexual ethic. Playing our Christ card looks like giving generously of our time and finances to those in need. To sum it up in one word, it looks like love. Friends, we have an incredible opportunity to suffer in our days. It's inevitable. I wish it wasn't. I wish that knowing Jesus personally Having Jesus as our our top and most powerful card in the deck of our identity, I, I wish it meant that we would be exempt from suffering, from trials, from, from difficulty, from sadness, from evil. But it's not. And the Bible doesn't try to say anything else. It's very open and very, very frontal with the reality of suffering. But it says because of that, we must call on our Jesus as our identity all the more. So next time you find yourself suffering, I encourage you, I challenge you, play your Christ card and smile in the midst of your sorrow. Because with Jesus in your hand, with Jesus as your anchor, you could count all trials as pure joy. Playing your Jesus card looks like holding your head high, no matter what achievements we have, no matter what accolades we accomplish. Where is Jesus on your list? Is he at the top? Is he in the middle? Is he at the bottom? Is Jesus even on your list at all? How could you play your Christ card as your identity right now? Thanks for listening. And I hope that you experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit each and every day. Amen.